0: that very much. All right, well, good morning. morning. Hope you're doing well this morning. I appreciate the introduction and the kindness that has already been extended to our family, even though this is the first time that we have set foot as far as here inside the church at Eagle Heights. It's a blessing to be able to be here. Um, Obviously, in evangelism, we understand what obligatory kindness looks like, meaning we got to be nice to you because you are here at our and so we know what that looks like. But let me just say we have not sensed that at all here. We certainly appreciate the kindness that's been shown, getting our hands Shaked off. That's not even a word. Shook. Off. It shook. I'm oh, sorry. I got. We're, we're in a, a a long a lot of people who are teachers and instructors, and I am going to disappoint you greatly when it comes to my grammar, as you're going to find out when we begin speaking. But let me just say what a blessing it is. Been been treated with such kindness. Appreciate your Pastor and his wife as well, and uh, letting us come in a bit early. We were enjoying the town a little bit. Went over to Fritz's. Is that what it's called? Fritz's and then to the, the Legends Mall. Well, my wife went there, and I I was supportive as we were there. But anyway, we had a great time as we were traveling out there. You, have to, Many of you already know that we have two kids, really no sense in introducing them. Um, but they're over in the classes right now. And uh, if you ever teach one of their classes and you want to know our business, just simply ask for prayer request time, and they'll tell you everything going on in our family, in our home, in our car, <laughs> and everything else that takes place. You think, I'm kidding? Try it. <laughs> and uh, you will see. And I understand that many of us, it's the first time that we're meeting. And uh, as far as even with the churches, the, um, I'm sorry, some of the that might have been at camp or whatever. Um, but let's just, let me just let you know, I, I, I appreciate the introduction and, you know, different things. You know, Adrian's a kid from Moorhead, man, Moorhead City, North Carolina. Um, but I, I, am, I love the Bible, number one. Uh, and number, number two, um, I, just seek, I have an audience of one, and that is the Lord. Uh, I mean, I really would like to think that I'm focused, I, I'm totally here you guys, you know, I, I'm here for the Lord you know, and, but a byproduct of that is I hope to be a help, a big help to your church, but I'm going to go what the Lord has me to be able to share with you, and uh, for Sunday school, I usually do things that are typically a little bit different uh, during the regular services like if, if we, when during the uh, normal services and stuff, you'll see us go straight to a passage, as we get to the passage we go through, preach straight through that passage, however, in Sunday school especially like to take a little a, a thought or a question as we're going to be addressing a lot of questions that throughout this week but one that's really super practical that as we go through it there's no I mean unless you got your head in the sand there ain't no way you're going to run away from the application of what is taking place here and so even I will ask questions typically I want to ask questions in the middle of a message but during Sunday school I'll ask a question and it's okay to talk to me and then number two is this is I'm going to call out verses... And what I do is, I want to cover Scripture as we go through, and I just don't want to say, and that verse says that, you know, I, I, let's read it, you know, it's, I mean, we're not here to talk about what I think about the Bible, we're here to talk about the Bible, so, and so I'll call out a verse of Scripture, somebody in just a little bit will say, got it, or whatever it is, and then we will go from there so that we can be able to, you read that verse of Scripture when we come to that point, and then we can be able to understand fully exactly this Bible study that we are going to go through. I'll tell you, honestly, it's kind of, I, I was praying about it even much this morning, and as i was i mean out of all the questions we'll address except for one question that's probably going to come up maybe on tuesday or wednesday aside from that this will probably be the most controversial thing, the question that we talk about as we go through this and and as the, i say that i want us not to put our guard up or anything like that but i just understand that there's a reality of the resistance toward this you know um I'll start from this. You know, I'm I'm 34 years old. The reason I'm telling you that is I'm 34. So I guess technically what happens between um, 1980 and on, I guess, our term, the millennials or whatever it's called. So I guess I'm an old millennial, (laughs) for lack of a better term. And so, with that being the case, you know, I see a lot of times that there's a lot of people find there's a disconnect, especially because there's a lot of tension upon that generation or a generation specifically. And then sometimes we think, what's the gap? You see the gap that is there? Um, You know, as far as with churches and stuff, of where exactly is that age group? And we have a lot of opinions and different things. However, I am not going to go into a generational thing and and start chatting about all that. However, I will say this. You know, I can tell you there's one thing that can happen that if you want to put a giant X... Over the opportunity to minister to, stereotypically, that generation, my generation, there is something that can be done. You see, I think there's patterns in every generation. I mean, look, I'm not going to go try to get science and different things like that, but we we got to notice a trend. In fact, if I were going into a, um, if, if the Lord didn't call me to preach and, and I felt what is the thing as far as the upcoming generation, what would you say the job that people are going to need? And I believe you be a Christian counselor or a counselor, you are going to do great in the next 20 years. Why? People are more anxious than ever. There are more choices than ever. People lose their mind concerning these things. And so you notice a trend and as you notice a trend, you can actually just make some deductions from it. So, so for, for, for this, if we want to cross out our influence there, here's something you can do. I will tell you, I'm being very cryptic about it on purpose, just so you know. But uh, I'm curious. Here's my question for you, folks. I want you to answer. Who would, you don't have a clock in here. You have a clock? Oh, there it is. Okay, there. sorry. Took me a moment because I, I don't want to lose track of team. Um I want you to tell me what is the most quoted verse in the Bible. Listen to my question. Let me let me explain. It. Most quoted. Not referenced, like meaning the, the passage in the verse quoted, quoted verse of scripture. John 3:16. Keep going. I'm going to say that was most referenced. Most people can't quote it. And Christ, but the thing brought thing brought outside the church. We're talking on the street. We're talking down the road. People don't know, but they can quote, for some reason or another, this verse. Anybody know? John 3, another one. Say that again. <laughs> Judge not. I would agree. Nah, I have no science to prove it, but it's the most quoted verse. Because it's so often just said all the time, isn't it not? You know, for crying out loud, watch The V and Whoopi Goldberg will say it all the time, would not you? <laughs> you know, I mean, just judge not. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Don't, ju- don't judge me. You know, it's like in a lot of cases, we look around and we see that. We- so what is Jesus saying in this seemingly very controversial verse? Because it, it seems in a way that this verse is taken to use to some degree for us to say certain things and make certain, um, make certain applications that are so far out there. Like if I came into your church, and let's just say I came in, my eyes are bloodshot, I'm stumbling across the, 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 the aisle, and I come and I sit and it looks like I am somehow intoxicated. And as I'm sitting there, I then raise my hand during a service and says, Pastor Francine, sit down. I believe God has called me to be the pastor of Eagle Heights Baptist Church. And y'all may look at me and say, there is no way. And I can look and say, well, don't judge. Don't judge. You don't know. You don't know me. You don't know my story. You can, I can do all those things. And you think that this is somehow going to go under the Matthew chapter 7 of don't judge. Let's take our Bibles. Matthew 7. Verse 1. Let's read this. Let's talk about this. Matthew chapter number 7. Normally I wouldn't preach a message about this because there's so many intricate parts upon this matter that I want you to think with me. That's why I ask you to ask questions. Matthew chapter number 7. Let's read verse numbers 1 all the way to verse number 7. Sherman on the Mount is the context. Christ speaking to his disciples. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Judge not, that you be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge? Ye shall be judged. And what measure ye meet? It shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye? But considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother? Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is <laughs> in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. G- give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast you your pearls before a swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. Asking it shall be given; seeking ye shall find; knocking it shall be open unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and him that knocketh it shall be opened. Now, I asked you about these verses. So here's what we're going to do: uh, if I call out a verse, if we could just quickly do this, if you can look up these verses, keep your finger in Matthew seven because that's where we're going to be. But uh, if you look up these verses, just say "got it." I'm there with you. Whatever you want to say, acknowledge, and then I will know. All right. First Corinthians six, two and three. She's volunteering you, sir. 1 <laughs> First First Corinthians 6, 2, 3. All right. 1 Corinthians 2, 15. Somebody just say, got it. There we go. Over there. All right. 1 Corinthians 4, 3, and 4. First Corinthians 4, 3, and 4. All right. Right there. Give me... Oh, this is, this is important. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. All right. All right. Those are the verses. Now... Stick with me through the introduction. Understand this. There is no contradictions in the word of God. If I think there's a contradiction in the word of God, then it's because I don't understand something about the word of God. So let's be clear about that. Now, just bear with me. For the first seven minutes, you're going to think to yourself, you are contradicting the Bible. I am not. I want you to think, and I want you to think through as we look at this passage together. First thing we're going to look at is, number one, as we say, judge not that you be not judged. Now, judging means this, to make a judgment call about, to look at something and make a conclusion. That's To make a conclusion about. I look at something and I draw a conclusion about that something. Are we ever then to judge as Christians? 1 Corinthians 6, 2 and 3. Who has that? Could you read it out for us, please? He's saying this passage, thank you, he's saying this passage, hey, hey, Corinth, y'all sitting here having these little tussles between one another, you better learn how to figure this out, because one day you're going to judge angels. (laughs) So you better learn how to judge one another while you're here on earth, because you realize a greater responsibility is coming to you later on. Now, continue reading, 1 Corinthians 2.15, who has 1 Corinthians 2.15? He that spirit judges all things. <laughs> I mean, everything, everything I'm making a conclusion about. Everything I'm looking around. He that judge judges all things. Like I said, stick with me. And, okay, you say, Adrian, I'm not convinced. You're taking those passages out of context. Well, I want to leave the last context that we have right with the verse we just read. What does it say? The picture is this. You've got a guy who has a beam. It's like a tree trunk stuck in his eye. It's hyperbole. It's even humorous in that time very much show that you've got a guy with a tree trunk sticking out of his head... ...walking to somebody else and saying, hey, look, let me take this moat, this small thing, out of your eye. Now, what happens is, as he's talking about this, look at what the passage says... He tells him to remove the beam out of your own eye, and then he says, "After you remove the beam out of your own eye, don't judge. Don't." Ju-. It doesn't say that. <laughs> it says, "Now you can see clearly. Uh huh. And now you can look at your brother. And now you can take out that mote out of his eye." You say, "Hold up!" You say, "That's what the passage says. It says you must get yourself straight." Then you can look at your brother and then take the moat out of your brother's eye. This is ancient. This is contradictory. One to Okay. All right. Are we to judge? Yes. Is Christ condemned judging? Yes. So what's going on? Yes. When, I used to go, when I was at college I was at, Piscola. When I was at Piscola, I used to be a uh, sermon editor. A sermon editor, what I did is we had a radio station at the college. And every sermon that was preached at the chapel and the services, I would take all the audio from it. And I would make every, ser- every sermon 28 minutes and 15 seconds. And so I had to take out stuff, put in stuff. Well, not like stuff stuff, but just like make them talk longer or something like that or something. I I'd do something to edit it to make it that length. And so as I was doing that, I was took... I, I was listening to you a message, and I heard a lot of the same messages. I mean, that yeah, same message, but the, as far as the two speakers, it was the pastor and assistant pastor at the time. And so what I did is one of the pastors preached a message about covetousness. And he said something like this. He said, you know, what I want, I've got to have. And I thought it was kind of funny the way he said it. And so what I did is I took that clip, and I put it in an audio file. And then what I did is I took the other pastor, and he would go like, nah, 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 you can't have it. And I staged a fight between the two pastors, simply as a joke. It was simply a joke for my own little entertainment sitting in the radio station as I was sitting there. Now, they didn't think it was funny because actually he ended up leaving like a months, couple months later, which was really awkward. However, when I was there, I was kind of doing it. Do you know what I found out? I can make you say anything I want you to say. I'm an editor. I can make you say whatever I want. Look, you cannot go to Jesus' sermon. And take you a little parachute and drop right down the middle of his sermon and take out one truth and go out and build a doctrine upon it. I mean, he's talking through an entire thought process of what he's saying. So what is he saying? He has his followers gathered there. As he has his followers, as you go through the Sermon on the Mount, yes, the blessed and things are taking place, but he's contrasting his followers versus the Pharisees. He says, all right, now the Pharisees, when they give, here's how they give. They go out there, they stand in trouble. He said, uh-uh, not you, not you. You're going to be my follower. Your left hand ain't going to know what your right hand is even doing. He says, all right, so when they when they go out and they interpret the law, he, he condemns the way they do things versus the way. His followers are going to do. You're not going to fast like them. You're not going to go to the marketplace and tell everybody you're fasting. No, no your your friends, your brothers, they ought not know what's going on. He says this matter about praying. You ain't going to yell out there with all these long pretense and prayers. No, no. You go to your closet, and your father who seeth and secret shall reward thee openly. He contrasts every area of life and says, "You follow me. We are going to do things differently." Then he gets to the matter of judging and he contrasts it so I need somebody only person I know I'm not gonna get in trouble with is pastor and pastor star so it's gonna be one of you pastor star it's gonna be you all right could you stand up for a moment you can stay back there you can stay back there actually no come on up here I want people to see your face after that great introduction and everything that was so kind now I'm gonna put you on the spot and embarrass you but it's all good it's all good help me out just answer the question is killing wrong? Yes. It's wrong to kill. Well, what about our military? Do you condemn? You know, I think they took out Osama bin Laden's brother or whatever, I mean, or son. Are you, are you against that? No, so it oh. oh. <laughs> it depends. It depends. Now, okay. Listen to this. Is murder wrong? Just, okay, so without without reservation, man says murder is wrong. Look. Oh, that one's too hard. Um, in English, actually I won't embarrass you more. Thank you, because you did you did perfectly. In English, we have one word. Judge. I believe it limits what the aspect is. When he said killing, killing's broad. Self-defense military, what, what, what's the context? I mean, we just can't blanket say. Now, when I said murder, Star Wars was like, oh, murder's wrong. Murder." Because in English, automatically, murder is associated, crime of passion, somebody going out and doing something that is wrong, our law season is taking another life. So murder, hands down, baby, it is wrong. However, killing is like, be more specific. I'm going to make the same, judge, the same argument for judging. Judge What? It. Well, it depends. It depends. There is a way to judge. Because obviously, Christ in scripture says he is spiritual, as all things. However, go to Jesus' sermon, and what kind of judging is he condemning here? Let's look at it. All right. So, and it says this, why beholdest thou the moat that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam in thine own eye? The illustration that he gives shows us there's two ways. And just for our terminology here, so we know what I'm saying, I'm gonna call one judging and one Pharisaical judging. So, Pharisaical, that's what Jesus is condemning. We know he says, judge not. So, he says, there's Pharisaical judging. So, what then? It's pharisaical judging. First thing, as he gives this illustration, is number one, ultra-critical. Ultra-critical. Now that's just a word, just for our context, but as you look at it, it's being consumed with another person's Faults being consumed with another person's fault. So before we go ahead and draw this breath up, oh, okay, I'm a judgy person and I can judge all people now. Thanks, brother. Whoa, 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 whoa. There is still something that is condemned here. You know, um, who has first Corinthians four, three, and four? All right, just one moment. You're gonna just some, can I get a context to it really quick? Is all right. We do not reserve. Listen to it because at first you might disagree, but I'm going to go through Scripture and talk about it. We do not reserve the right to judge somebody's motive. We do not judge that. We do not have that right. The motive will be determined at the judgment seat of Christ. Christ is the one who knows what's wood, hay, and stubble, and what is gold, silver, and precious stones. Now let's understand. Motive is not threatening. Threatening is wrong. So it's like somebody has a gun to my face. Well, I can't judge. I don't know what you're going to do about it. Don't be foolish. Don't be foolish threatening is different but motive to know why you do what why you raise your family why you do those different things that's out of my hands now when we violate god's law there's no more judging to be needed we know there's a violation of god's law so since there's a violation of god's law we're talking that's another ball game but if we don't know and we then draw conclusions first grade four three and four he's getting ready to read Paul was telling the people at Corinth, he said, look, I'm going to come back and I'm going to visit you. Something happened. Bible doesn't say. Maybe some scholar knows. I don't know. He didn't say why he didn't come back. Then the rumors start going around. Oh, Paul ain't going to come visit us. You know, oh, he's big, bad Paul, you know. Oh, he's going out. He's somebody special. And so now he's not going to come back and visit us little people here in Corinth. Whatever the rumors were, Paul said he wasn't going to come back and visit and people got upset. Can you read it? 1 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4. You know what Paul said very, very clearly? God's going to judge me. God's going to judge me. You you don't know why I didn't do it. You don't know why I didn't come back for a visit. And the Holy Spirit of God did not give me liberty to put it in this letter why I couldn't come back. However, God will judge. Now, as you look at this though, you know, understand this matter about motive sometimes spread itself out so much. I, I, I don't like to, you know, you know sometimes illustrations help but self-deprecating ones, but this one just puts it down. This is, it's a hard thing to say, but I'll tell you, this is how it pans out. I, I remember... Um, I was at a conference and I was preaching, a ministry conference, and they were having the international dinner or banquet or whatever, and uh, the, the week, the Saturday before, and so we're all sitting around the table, and there was this kid that was about Jasmine, Janae's age or whatever, and about, I don't know, and the kid was, I mean, the kid's all over the place, I mean, interrupting, all over the place, here, there, and everywhere, couldn't have a conversation with the adult and different things, and, and you know, as the adults were there, the mom and dad were kind of sitting there, and I mean, the child's up, down, picking people's food and different things like that, and you know how it is inside your mind, mm-mm-mm, if I had that child. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, and all those different thoughts. And as I was thinking about all those things, actually what happened was, it didn't even have to happen this way because what happened was, actually, um, I got to talk to that family and actually that even wasn't their daughter. It was actually their granddaughter. And uh, that granddaughter, they were raising their granddaughter because their only daughter who had, had died a couple of months before. The daughter was not in church. And since the daughter was not in church or anything, they took that granddaughter. And we're trying to get that granddaughter to be raised in church and start the process of getting there and acclimate to church. Listen very closely. I judged. And it was wrong. To act like I know what's happening in someone's life. Now look, let's be clear. If child hits my child, violation of a law has happened. It's out of my hands. We're not talking about judging anymore. But when I sit back and look at a human being and have them pinned, hmm, they come from that neighborhood. Hmm. Oh, I'm serious. We can see somebody pull up in a motorcycle and we already know exactly what that person's like just because they're driving a motorcycle. And let's, let's go ahead and get really deep. Let's get really deep now. I mean, get really deep. Sometimes we look at a person, and because they might be on the red team or the blue team or the team that hates both teams in the political world, we got them pinned too. We know everything about their character. We know everything about their motivation. We got them. We got them figured out. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. That is judging. That is a pharisaical judging that Christ is condemning in this passage of Scripture. You don't have. You're right. Now, he he continues here because it's consumed with another people's fault. Now, judging's tough because as you look at it, you see... the judging of appearances and, and different things, and he's not telling us to be foolish about these things because he says, "Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye you pearls before a swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you." In the context of Matthew seven seven, ask and it shall be given you; seeking, you shall find. I use it the context of asking God for wisdom. God, what is it that of judging I should do, and what is it that of judging I should not do? Look, if I go to your church nursery and my child is there and I see a guy who has dirty fingernails and his shirt says creeper and he drives an unmarked van, I'm going to judge. I got to make a call. And what he says is, you, he says, don't be foolish. He says, if you need wisdom about judging, ask and it shall be given you seek, and You shall find naught, and it shall be open unto you. See, see, it's not the, listen, judging, it's not the absence of common sense. It's the absence of prejudice. It's the absence of me thinking I already know about this generation. I saw one on the news, a millennial the other day on the news, and they're all like that. They all talk like that. That guy on the side of the road, yeah, I can tell you exactly why he's on the side of the road, because it don't work. I can tell you why. You, you don't know his story. You don't know her story. And To claim we do is pharisaical. Number one, ultra-critical. Ultra number two, he continues to condemn this. Again, just going through questions in the Bible, but hypocritical judging. Hypocritical. Look at first verse number five. It says, thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Let me tell you a truth. It is easier to, to condemn sin that we do not struggle with. It's easier to condemn a sin that we do not struggle with. Let me be honest. I I grew up, um, my dad didn't go to church or anything growing up, but um, my dad, he wasn't like a deadbeat dad or anything like that. I mean, 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 he he would like swear to us he would never go to church and swear to us on the Bible that we would never go to the Christian school and a, a lot of other things. However, he never brought drugs and alcohol into the house. He says he never bought drugs and alcohol, and he eventually left. But my mom kept us and her uh, three boys, uh, my, my brothers, two brothers, and they kept us in church and kept us going to the house of God and et cetera. And uh, I, I remember, though, as I was growing up and stuff, um, since I was never around it, I had never even a taste for alcohol, um, even trying, you know, um, illegal substances. You know, it's, it's not even on the radar for me. It, like, if you tempted me, like, have a cigarette or- <laughs> I don't want to cough my guts You know, I, it, it doesn't even appeal to me. Now, see, here's what happens. After living so long as a certain standard, it's easy to think that we are the standard. After being so long of, I've never touched it, don't even have a desire to touch it. What's wrong with you? You struggle with that stuff? Mm-mm, mm mm You struggle looking at that? Not me. Not me. Look at me. I... Hypocritical. As if, see, see what he's saying is, it's not that a matter of you can't see what your brother's doing and help him out. He's not, seeing with he's not saying anything against that. He's saying that as you are there and you have this day, you are going to go up to him like you don't have anything in your, in your life. You're going to walk up to him as if there's no struggle with inside of you. Case in point, shoot me now. If you have a concealed... Rethink that, but however, <laughs> I sometimes go to some, uh, some conferences, and as I go to a conference, and listen, I'm, let me just finish the thought, and then I'll tell you my, quali- my qualifiers. Um, I go to the conference, and uh, I know it's very unpopular to say, I don't think, I think I probably say it this congregation, but let me say it gently and say it correctly. Um, homosexuality is wrong. The Bible condemns it. It is pagan to hate the person. Pagan. But also pagan to be fine with the sin. So it is possible that love, that individual, God condemns what they have done. Okay? But it's wrong. It's wrong. No, no if-ands. Now, go to a conference, you guys start preaching. Read the Bible. Let me tell you about. Let me tell you about the society, guys. Let me tell you how wicked it is. And he goes to preaching, and everybody's going crazy. Glory, brother. Preach that, brother. Plow that road. Yes, sir. You go ahead, preacher. You go ahead. I'm with you, brother. I'm with you. I'm fine. Preach it. Preach with passion, because if you've got the Bible on your side, preach it with authority and passion. However, when I hear you preaching on pride, I want to see that same gusto. And I want to see that shame, passion. And I want to see my friend back there who had his little hanky twirling around in circles to get it twirling around once again. Because it's easier to go after something that personally we have no issue with or struggle or like a propensity to do and then go at that and take our sledgehammer and beat that down to the ground and then take some little pixie dust and throw it on my sin. No, sir. No, ma'am. That is what Christ is condemning here. Peter, remember when he denied Christ? Read his le- the message at Pentecost. Read when he preached. When he preached, he preached on denying Christ. It's in part of the passage. He looked at those people and he says, but you have denied the Holy One of God. Now listen to me. God greatly used Peter. I don't think it came with, what's wrong with you people? You denied Christ. He was right in your face, guys. What's wrong? I don't think he did that. It came from a heart of, that you deny him. If anybody that gets it, it's me. Anybody that knows the pain of having the son of God in front of you. You walk with him and talk with him. And then you go out and say that you don't even know who he is. And then when it comes out as a heart, I'm not saying change your stance. I'm saying change our spirits of how we do so. You are never going to win somebody who you are holding this far away. You want to judge? 1 Corinthians 13. Who has that? Verse 4. 1 Corinthians thirteen four. Could you read just the first verse? I'll probably stop you and then we'll come back to it. Yeah, you're fine. Praise the Lord, brother. I'm going to pause you just for a moment. Charity suffereth long and it's kind. It's possible to have a stand and be kind. Kind. It's possible to look at teenagers who are dressing like, what are you doing? What are you thinking? Or going places you're like, what are you doing? It's possible to do that with Kindness. See, what it doesn't do is it doesn't vaunt itself up. See, 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 if I want to look better, there's one way or two ways to do so. Either I, I will then have to take myself and put myself bigger, or I have to make you smaller. So if I make your sin horrible and my sin like, eh, then listen, I will always look better. When he says charity vaunteth not itself, it doesn't like beat on his chest and look at me if you're going to judge and he says, you've got to judge. You've got to make judgment calls. However, when you make these judgment calls, be kind. Walt is not itself, is not public. King, continue reading verse number five? You keep going, brother. I'm going to pause you right there. Verse number 7. We've got to get to hope with all things in just a moment. But rejoice not in iniquity. It doesn't rejoice in somebody else's pain. Hear me? I won't what I say out of context. But remember when, I don't know, 90s, whenever it was, the AIDS epidemic became very large and it be positive and different things. And it was very easy. I remember as a kid to hear the Christian, mm-hmm. That's what they get. Mm Mm-hmm. God judging you. Never rejoices in someone's pain. Could it be a judgment of God? Most likely. Most likely. But I'm not going to sit over here and have me a little little party about how it is they get the pain and they get the suffering. And yeah, 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 God, you go get... Again, do it not iniquity but rejoicing in the truth. Can you keep reading that verse? Is it 37? Uh, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Uh, we, you, you go through, thank you. You go through that entire passage. Read. Now listen, endureth all things, hopeth all things. You know what charity does? It believes the best of somebody. I mean, come on. They barely in church. <laughs> Last time they were here, they were talking about something crazy, <laughs> you know. Who were well, they dressed last time they came, man? You know charity does? It believes the best. It believes the best about somebody. It takes the intentions of maybe my wife didn't necessarily do such and such, not necessarily because she's a bad person. <laughs> my husband didn't say it just because he's just an evil man. I'm just going to believe the best. I'm just going to believe the best about them. And it does all things. It hopes all things. It it's all things. I'm just I'm just, just going to choose. That maybe every teenager is not just a rotten, core, hard, want to leave God, hate church, don't want to sing. Maybe that's not the case. I believe all things. You cannot love and judge at the same time. Because it's impossible to ascribe unsurpassable worth to others when you're using others to ascribe worth to yourself. You know, this is why judging is so wrong, pharisaical judging is so wrong. It's the exact opposite of what Christ did for me. So let's address the one question here. Matthew 7, verse 2, the one question. Then we'll close it up. Hey, if you're with me after this, man, we good, all right? It's just a thought. It's just really, it's heavy on my heart. It says in verse 2, it says, With what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. Everybody say this. Anybody say this before? Man, everywhere I go, people judge me. Every time I do something, people judge me. I go to church, people just judge me. Man, I try to walk out in the road. I just judge me. Yeah, uh, Let me read the verse again. Matthew 17. With what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. Judgers get judged. Judgers get judged. If I have that tendency, I must ask myself the question, am I a judgmental person? You know, I know it's not very happy text, but I want you to at least consider the fact That what does go around does come around until somebody finally puts an end to the cycle of nonsense of going out from here and automatically looking at people at their church and automatically making conclusions about them and knowing their life story and everything just because of maybe the shoes they wear or just because the phone they carry or just because the car they drive or just because a conversation they earned over her seven years ago. We have to stop because the judges will continue to be judged and the cycle will continue to happen If somebody puts an end to this matter of judging. You know, obviously I'm passionate about this, but it hurts. I've been called by churches and told not to come because they found out that I was a black man coming to their church. I've been called by pastors to be told what my place was. I didn't grow up. I didn't march with Martin Luther King, man born 1984, but there's still the church across the streets that didn't let us come to that church because we were going to bring things down. People from my neighborhood, no sir, no ma'am. That can't happen. You know It's easy to look out and then think we got a monopoly upon the knowledge of everyone that is around us. It's wrong. Say this and I'm done white. This means a lot to me because I say in the context of teens a lot, because I'll tell you who for me had a huge impact. Well, he's my mentor, for crying out loud. A Sunday school teacher. A Sunday school teacher. My dad left church. He didn't go to church. My dad left the scene when I was a teenager. i tell you, Brother Gatlin, you know what he did? You know, first I'm going to make this comment, then we'll go through. One thing to say you care about the next generation it's one thing to say, oh, I just love all the children. I can just bring them to my house and I can hug them and make them cookies and different things. You don't even know their name. You don't even know who, the, you don't even know what's, the ones that don't go to school, you don't even know who they are. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't even know what they do. You don't know their favorite sport. You don't even know their favorite candy. Let's just stop with, I just love them all. See, see it can be an excuse saying I love everyone is an excuse to love nobody. <laughs> because then you can't be accused of not loving anybody. Because what you see is Look at that one. What did he do? Well, I was, on, I was in Christian school there at the church, and um, the, I was getting ready to get expelled, actually. You know, I had this guy, me and my, me and my friend, we got in all these th- trouble. Teacher leave the room. we do crazy things or whatever. And do you know what I did here? Not saying it's wrong, but do you know what I did here? I heard from the pulpit. We got some knuckleheads in our school that are going to refuse to, uh, you know, listen to the rules. And we're going to show them the one, 2 And we are going to make sure they see the door. I-, I heard that now. I ain't going to lie. I heard that. And that's fine. I'm not saying that you don't judge sin. You don't take care of sin. But do you know what I also did here from Brother Gatlin? Adrian, God's going to use your life, man. Man, God's going to do something with you, man. I said, guy, I'm getting ready to get some <laughs> He said, well, everybody ought to learn the Bible. Everybody ought to learn to share a little something from the Bible. You might not be called to preach, Adrian, but you should be able to do a devotion inside a teen class. And I remember I said, alright. I got a, little, got a little devotion together. I started studying my Bible. One time I did, read really some of my Bible. Got to study a little devotion together, and I brought it. About five minutes or so inside that teen class, and just begin to chat a little bit, and After that servosha man, he came around, he hugged my neck, man, Adrian, that's great. Man, God's going to use you, man. Don't you see what God got in store for you? Did he call me every day and say, doing your devotions? No, no. He just encouraged me. It was somebody that wasn't in the same generation little bubble as me. It was somebody who didn't know what an Xbox was, didn't know what a PlayStation was, but he still could show some love. It was somebody that might not know all the lingo and all the sports and everything that I knew, but guess what? It was somebody who showed and cared about my soul and just didn't look at me as a statistic and just say, oh, in that age group, must be heading that direction just like the other kids I've seen for the past 10 years. Here's what it says. He came to me. Motivated me. I'll be honest. The first three or four sermons were not for God. They were for Brother Gatlin. I'll be honest. Brother Gatlin pointed me to Christ. When he made that transfer, buddy, did it click? This is what they be talking about. This is what they be saying. Like any other generation, you won't put a giant X over helping, I would say, my generation. Judge. Judge. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the Bible. I thank you, Lord, that you...